Hi, I'm Len Epp from LeanPub, and in this Lean Publishing podcast, I'll be interviewing Emmanuel Nataf in the first installment of our Friends of LeanPub interview series. Emmanuel is co-founder of a London-based publishing startup called Reedsy. Reedsy was founded in 2014 by Emmanuel and his co-founders, Ricardo Fayet, Vincent Durand, and Matthew Cobb, with the goal of providing a marketplace for high-quality services that can be used by anyone self-publishing a book, services like editing, marketing, and design. In this interview, we're going to talk about how Reedsy was founded, what it's currently up to, and what its plans are for the future. So thank you, Emmanuel, for being on the Lean Publishing Podcast. Yeah, great to be here. Hi, Lynn. Thanks. Um, so I guess the first thing I'd like to do is ask you about Reedsy's origin story. How did you guys come up with the idea and how did you get started? Yeah, so um, basically I think it all started when I was, you know, actually still in college. And I, and I got my first Kindle. I, was actually, I actually imported it from the U.S. I was living in France. Uh, I couldn't buy it in France. It wasn't available. Um, and I imported it and I realized, uh, you, know, how, you know, how amazing it was to have all your books in just a little tablet. And, um, and I wasn't that much of a reader before that. And actually getting a Kindle, you know, made me a reader. And I started to read more and more and learn about the industry. And it actually took me years before we, we, I actually started Read Z. Uh, initially, I was uh, learning about the self-publishing space. I, for a year, I was interviewing people from the industry just to learn about it. So authors, editors, designers. And then at some point, I, I think I read an article and, and the writer was saying um, how the best publishing professionals had left publishing houses and started to work as freelancers. So I was, so I saw that there were kind of two trends, you know, evolving uh, together. Basically, one was, you know, uh, the boom of the self-publishing market with hundreds of thousands of writers uh, pushing their books to the Kindle store every year, and on the other hand, um, great professionals available on the market. Uh, to potentially work with them. And at that time, uh, I started to look for, you know, like professional editors, designers, and I realized that there was nothing to provide high-quality services to indie authors. So in a way, I was a bit frustrated that there was, you know, like self-publishing wasn't a real alternative to traditional publishing yet because you couldn't find that level of quality you'd find at traditional big five publishers. So so that's basically where the idea comes from. Um, learning progressively about the industry. Then um, I started to build a team. Uh, so initially, um, I started Ritzy with Ricardo, uh, who is uh, uh, running the, the marketing at Ritzy. And then since we didn't have any technical skills, uh, we added Vincent, who is our CTO, and Matt, who is our designer. And then progressively, it became a side, side project during evenings and weekends. And last year, uh, mid-last year, we applied to get into Seedcamp, which is a startup accelerator based in London. Uh, we got selected for it, uh, and we thought that was a great op- opportunity to become f- uh, full-time on Reedsy. So, so, so the French guys moved from Paris to London, and we've been working from, 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 from here since then. Um, the quality of freelancers on Reedsy is one of the most important aspects of, of, your, yeah. of your company. Um, I was wondering, how do you find and then vet freelancers? Yeah. So um, initially when we started, we contacted a few professionals manually um, that, had, that had worked with traditional publishers because you know, they could provide the level of quality we were looking for. Uh, and we told them, hey, we're setting up Ritzy. Uh, could you be interested in being one of our first users, one of our first service providers? And we progressively f- 
found a few who loved the project, uh, started to use the, the product and thought the interface was really incredible. Um, and, and it led to, uh, and they could create profiles. So basically, progressively, I started to show those profiles to other professionals who would tell me, oh, that's really amazing. Uh, I want to be part of this community as well and join. So that's how we, we started. We started to grow our supply side um, with, a, with a strong focus, as you said, on quality. So uh, what we did was, uh, so we built these profiles that are kind of a LinkedIn, but for publishing, uh, where you have a quick overview of who the professionals are, the different genres they work on, their work experience, and a portfolio of books they've worked on uh, with links to Amazon or, or the Google Play Store. Uh, and then we could take a look at you know, the quality of the books they had worked on, um, and, and, and in some way verify the, the identity, the, the online identity as well. Uh, so that's, that's, that's how we started. Um, and now, uh, now it's completely different. Uh, now we're getting tons of submissions uh, every week, probably hundreds every week. Uh, so far, I think we've received over 7,000 applications uh, and selected 330 professionals. Uh, so only keeping really the best people in the industry and growing based on the demand we're getting. So uh, if, if a publisher or an author comes to us and, say, uh, and says, uh, we have, I don't know, um, a, photography, a photography book uh, that we'd like um, uh, a designer for, uh, then we're going to start looking for people who could work on that kind of genre. Um, so because Readsy is inherently exclusive, um, I've read, I think it was an article that was a, a really good article about Readsy and Forbes, I think, um, that, you know, obviously some people who are excluded are a little bit unhappy about that. Um, how do you deal with that? Yeah, so uh, unfortunately we, we don't compromise on quality and we never accept people if we feel like, you know, if we feel like there's something wrong or it's not going to work. Uh, even worse, uh, if, if we see that something goes wrong, even after, you know, accepting the professional, uh, we take that person off the marketplace immediately. Uh, we, we don't compromise on quality and, and, and some people get pissed off. Uh, and there's, there isn't much you can do about it. At some point we had, um, I think an editor with about 20,000 followers on Twitter who started to, you know, rant about it, but we're like, Sorry, um, you're good at social media, but you're not the editor we're looking for. Uh, and it's, uh, it, it can sound you know, harsh, but that's why you know, people love our service. They feel like they can come to Readsy and they don't have to think about whether that person is you know, legit or not. Um, they know that they're working with some of the world's best publishing professionals. And you also have a uh, 100% money-back guarantee, is that correct? Yeah, so a few. So we've had it more or less since the beginning, but we didn't make it official. Uh, but a few weeks ago, we decided to release our Ritzy uh, trust and guarantee uh, policies. Uh, so now, if the, if any, if anything happens, you know, you can just reach out to the Ritzy team. There's a button in the interface uh, that's present at all time called just help. Uh, <laughs> and if you reach out to us and you say. Uh, the freelancer didn't come back with the work he was supposed to deliver or, or uh, I don't know, I, I'm not happy with the quality or anything, then we try to you know, solve the issue uh, and we, we refund if it's necessary. Uh, it's, it's, we, it's happened once over you know, a few hundreds of collaborations so far, so it's, it's, been, it's pretty rare, uh, but if anything happens, we have those guarantees. Fantastic. Um... I was wondering at what stage of their writing do you find that authors, self-published authors, start to approach Readsy and looking for yeah. professional help? Yeah. Uh, so 
there's still a lot of educating that's needed uh, because tons of authors come to us at the wrong moment, at the wrong time. Basically, uh, they come to us while you know they don't have, their draft is not, is not solid enough, or the story isn't even they haven't even finished writing it. Uh, and and we're very different from LeanPub in the, because we don't uh, we don't work on books that are not finished yet. Uh, we 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 mainly work on books that are, you know like uh, you have a solid first draft. Um, or a solid draft, because the first draft is not always solid, uh, and you can come to read it and request quotes from editors um, and then designers. And the same thing for publicists. So we recently added publicists to the marketplace, and uh, you can come talk to a publicist if you've already released your book, for instance. So there's a lot of educating around when you should come to read Z, that's we're trying to do, and we, we're actually going to publish more blog posts about it to, yeah, to, 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 let, you know, to help authors understand you know, when they need an editor, when they should start marketing their book, when they need a publicist, when they need a designer. I was wondering how um, pricing works and how, yep. how read Z makes money. Yeah. So pricing is completely transparent. Uh, so uh, there, there are very few people who can... Uh, compete on quality uh, with ReadZ basically at the moment. Uh, but the only guys who can are very, you know, uh, there's, there's no transparency at all in terms of how they price their services. So you can find local agencies in San Francisco, in New York, who are going to offer their services to you, but you have no idea if you're actually paying the right, the right price or not. Uh, so what we did here is when you go on ReadZ, you can request quotes from up to five professionals. And those people get back to you within a couple of days with quotes or, or more questions if they need more to, to offer, to send you an offer. Uh, and then you can see the different pricing. Um, so we don't set the price, our professionals do. And then you can compare the different price and, and make a decision. But it's completely transparent. Um, and we display our fee, um, uh, basically, on, on, the offer, on the offers page. Uh, and you can see that we charge you a 10% commission uh, on the author side. Uh, that's what you see. Okay, that's really clear. Thanks. Um, I was wondering, um, just more generally, about the publishing industry. Um, there was an article in the New York Times, I think a couple of weeks, three, three weeks ago now even, um, that um, talked about how ebook sales had dropped. Mm. Uh, did, you, did you come across that one? Yeah. Uh, yeah, there was a uh, bit of a controversy about it because it was a false report. Um, uh, what had happened was basically the probably with with respect to sort of publishing industry stuff, a conservative journalist at the New York Times um, basically just looked at the kind of the data that comes from convent what I guess I'll call conventional publishers who've in many ways been actually hostile to ebook sales, um, mm-hmm. and they actually many of these publishers had actually increased the prices of their ebooks on Amazon. And then their sales went down, um, surprisingly. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and anyway, there were lots of really great responses um, uh, to that from people in the sort of the, the uh, let's say, 21st century publishing world, um, pointing out that actually ebook sales have been increasing. Um, and it's just for these people, the, the people sampled by the data set cited by the New York Times that had fallen. And I was just wondering what your thoughts were about that when you noticed yeah. that. Yeah, so uh, there's two things. Um, the first thing is like th- there was no Fifty Shades of Grey this year, basically. So as a result, um, since it was you know uh, <laughs> there's been you know a-, a crazy number of copies of that book that was sold, um, there's probably quite a lot of uh, well 
Penguin basically probably sold less, fewer copies, uh, and probably impacted like uh, that survey or you know the, that that report. But on top of it, there are so many titles titles are not tracked properly uh, because they don't have an ISBN. Uh, so I'm not sure how it works on uh, on Linpub exactly, but you know on on Amazon you can publish without using without having an ISBN. So and data that's harder to track. So so it's so only Amazon's got the right data about the industry, unfortunately. But I have like just as a feeling being in the industry, I don't see it like I see more and more people reading on the tablets, and I find it weird to hear that you know there are fewer uh, ebooks that are being you know bought by by customers. I find it you know. I struggle to believe it, um, but that's not. But I don't have. Nobody's got the data to basically back this up. So, uh, so it's kind of confusing. But I would find it very weird. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, to be clear, yeah, on LeanPub, we actually don't. We don't require ISBNs. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't guess I want to speak for everyone else at LeanPub, but personally, I see it as a form of rent seeking. Um, there's this. There's this yeah. one company that owns the ISBN issuing rights um and um they make money just issuing numbers um that allow people to track books and uh, the way the way i look at the metaphor i use is like dark matter you know Mm -hmm. from the perspective of the conventional book publishing industry a lot of what's happening with publishing now is stuff that they just can't see um uh because for example if someone makes a really high quality book and puts it up for sale on their own website or on, yeah. on Gumroad or something like yeah. that, um, or on LeanPub, um, where we hope they would put it, um, they, yeah. then, you know, it's not tracked um, because, you know, we don't do that and they don't do that. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, so the idea, the idea that, like, the entire world of books is something that is brought... Trackable. In, it, yeah. yeah, it's trackable, but it's particularly... It, is that if you want to be an author, you have to be brought in to an incumbent mm. system like a panopticon or something like that. Yeah. You know, this is this is something that people are kind of leaving behind. And so mm. that's one of the reasons I was so interested to talk to you because you're, in my view, you know, you're obviously providing people who are behaving, you know, we're, we use the term independently, right? But we shouldn't even have yeah. to use that. I mean, the only reason we use that term is because it's differentiating from the past, where yeah, people couldn't exactly. do things on their own because it just wasn't done or something. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So. So yeah. So I, I wish Amazon would release data, you know, like once a year, so at least we, we'd get a better idea since you know that they sell most of the books <laughs> available. But yeah, I, I don't have that feeling, you know, seeing you know the number. Of, well, decide just they could easily reach the audience. Um, and, and don't use ISBN so you can track them. So. Yeah, I know that um, authorearnings.com, um, actually, yeah. they do seem to be able to get get quite a bit yeah. of Amazon data. Do you know how that So Yeah, uh, they basically, well, they make assumptions, basically, to be able to, to mm. build um, the, their model, um, which is, it seems to be kind of accurate, but I'm not sure, you know, like... Um, you know, uh, as much as I like Hugh Howie, uh, I know he's been working with Amazon a lot, so I have no idea whether uh, the data is accurate or not. But yeah, the, it's when you look at the New York Times and when you look at author earnings, it's like completely different uh, speeches, basically. But, okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, as a sort of really high-level question, um, yep. where do you see 
the publishing industry going in like let's say the next 10 years well that's a tough question yeah um so the publishing industry in the next 10 years so i i i see uh and it's interesting it's something we see already at reads here the role of publishers changing um there is that need uh in in a world of you know in a world of abundance you know for curation and i guess it's the one thing that you know i like you know that publishers are doing the fact that they they curate content uh you may not like it but, i mean not you may not like the selection but at least they're here to say okay we we penguin we think this is a quality book uh and i think it's important in a world where you know there's so many low quality books that are being pushed to to online stores um and so so the role of publishers is going to is going to change completely i was talking to an author who was saying me uh reads is making you know quality editing quality design you know community a, a commodity so uh, so certainly uh the role of publishers is changing completely towards something that's more about you know like um uh, being a curator mainly so i think this is pretty interesting um I think we talked about it together last time, but uh, the fact that people are reading more and more, you know, on the tablets, uh, you know, uh, or mobile in a very mobile way, uh, is very interesting as well. Um, and I guess, you know, uh, it's it's taking time before ebooks are replacing traditional books, but I think it's going to happen uh, more and more in the coming years. Uh, I can't see like books dominating the market in five to ten years, uh, but maybe that's just me. <laughs> it's interesting you've mentioned um, tablets and uh, Kindles a couple of times, and I I used to live in London, um, and I you know remember commuting yeah. on the on the um, expletive Northern Line, um, yeah. and you know I would have to kind of work out like it was so packed that I would have to like you know kind of make sure that my book could fit into my coat pocket and that mm-hmm. I could pull it out and fold it in half. So that I could hold it right in front of my face mm. to read it, yeah. um, and I really wish that you know back in those days I'd had books on my phone. I, well, mm. I, I'd had a phone that yeah. wasn't you know a flip phone or whatever, and that yeah. and that. So I've I've always thought that actually the the one of the the main ways people are going to be reading books is on phones, and you see this you see this happening in the increasing size mm. of smartphones, right? Because people yeah. are consuming content on there. Yeah. Yeah, there's something I'm, I'm a bit frustrated with. Even though I love my Kindle, I feel like you know the experience for reading you know content or even if it's just colors, you know, it's very. I mean, there's so many things you're missing on a Kindle, and I, I hope there's going to be you know new versions of uh, you know ink screens that are going to provide much higher quality, you know, a much higher quality experience while with the benefits of ink of the ink technology. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. What's the most important aspect of ReadZ that you're working on right now, in your opinion? Yeah, so um, I guess it's becoming more and more full stack, so providing a full stack experience for authors. So they come and they're in, so we're working on a collaborative book editor, for instance. So uh, um, an editor where you'll have uh, the experience of Medium, uh, so Medium, the blogging platform, um, and the collaborative features of Google Docs. So you'll be able to come to ReadZ and start writing your book or import it from a Word document or RTF or whatever you're using. Um, and then um, invite a co-author to, to work on it or, in, um, or your editor. And then in one click, be able to export it into a properly formatted EPUB file or PDF. Something similar to what LeanPub did, uh, but for, say, for the mass market. 
So, and I think this is going to give them, you know, a much more interesting experience to uh, authors on Readsy as they're going to be able not just to send messages uh, with files uh, through Readsy, but also to collaborate directly with the professionals they hire. Uh, so, so there's editing. So, and on top of that, we're also adding more services to the marketplace all the time. So we started with editing and design, which are, say, the basic services you need to uh, produce a, uh, a, final, uh, a final book. Um, and we're adding progressively more services. So last month we added publicity services and we'll be adding marketing, ghostwriting, uh, and a few other services as well. Um, you said something about the mass market as opposed, yeah. as opposed to LeanPub, and I, I guess I'm uh, going to push, push back yeah. a little bit on that. Um, I'm not really sure <laughs> what you meant. Uh, I meant uh, a tool that uh, anyone, uh, I mean, without using Markdown, for instance. Ah, so understood. People, Thank you very much. So okay, people, yeah, so I get people it. People can, uh, so like someone who is not into tech at all yeah. can, uh, can start writing a, a book on it. Yeah, we're, <laughs> no, we're very, I just wanted to be clear about that because that's really good, good feedback to hear. Um, we are working on something called Markua, which is going to be basically, Markdown was written as a way to kind of easily write yeah. things on the internet. Um, and we are working on a version of that for writing books um, called Markua. And what'll probably, we'll probably end up with what they, I mean, I know you know this, but some listeners might not know, but with a WYSIWYG editor, which is basically what you see is what you get. Um, yeah. But yeah, so what, what Emmanuel is saying is very correct, which is that to date, LeanPub has been, you know, made by programmers and mostly used by programmers, people who are very um, technical. And, and so yeah. it's, it's kind of like for a technical person, they see LeanPub and they're like, oh, my God, that's I can't believe someone built exactly what I wanted. And for people who are non-technical, they're like, you know, why do you are you making me learn a markup language to write <laughs> texts? Um, yeah. Uh, another, yeah, <laughs> it, it's, it's almost a different product in some way, but I think it's got its benefits as well. I yeah. mean, lots of people will find it much better to write and like without all the HTML that we are going to have to add for authors in a, what you see is what you get editor. Exactly. And that's, that's the, that's the sort of like, you know, it's, it's interesting. The position that LeanPub has taken is to kind of radically, in a, it, it's actually in a, in a, in a fundamental sense, it's actually a radical simplification of the way things are done. But it means that you need to learn a little bit. The way I call it is, but I, the way I refer to it is, um, uh, it's like punctuation for for digital writing. Um, yeah. So in the same way that like we all understand, like we would see right away if we were writing and we didn't close off a quotation with the quotation marks at the end. You know, we're all trained just like pro we would, like programmers would see right away, oh, it's, the, the, yeah. it's not closed. And we understand that you have to put quotation marks before and after something that's meant to be something that is kind of a reference to something someone said or wrote somewhere else or something that a character is saying. So we're actually all familiar with a markup language. Mm. It's, it's punctuation. Yeah. Um, yeah. But getting people to understand that that punctuation can actually refer to the material production of the text as opposed to simply kind of speech signs. Um, so, so it's, it's interesting. And, and another analogy I use is like, you know, at one point everybody learned how to use like keyboards and typewriters, um, yeah. to, to write better. And so we hope that, you know, th this, this, this is all getting sorted out in very interesting ways. And it's so great to see, you know, so many people applying different approaches to try and make it easier, um, and better for people. Mm. Um, yeah. uh, yeah, I guess, um, I guess the last question I have for you is, 
Um, where do you see Breezy being in five years or ten years? I mean, you're already expanding into into you know new kinds of book tools and stuff like that. Where do you see yourself? Yeah. So uh, so at the moment, our our objective is to become you know in some way you know the foundry of best selling books. So we'd like to see you know some of the most interesting um, books being you know uh, produced via Readsy. So working with our professionals uh, or potentially with our tools um, and then, you know, seeing them, you know, published. Um, basically, we, our objective is to help, you know, uh, the publishing community publish, you know, beautiful books. And that's the, that's the obsession. Uh, but where, where we want to be in a, few, in a few years' time, well, we'd love to provide, you know, services to as many self-publishing authors as possible. But we also started more recently to work with publishers who came to us and told us, uh, well, we've seen the level of quality you can provide. Uh, and we love the fact that you can streamline our workflows with the collaborative tools that you've built. Uh, and so we'd love to use Ritzy as well. So we're currently building uh, a product for them as well. Uh, so, it's, so it's making Ritzy in some way, you know, the backbone of the industry uh, when it comes to producing books. That's actually, I just thought of one more question I wanted to ask you. Yeah. Um, it's really interesting. Um, Ritzy in many ways um, is reflecting changes that are happening elsewhere, just in, you know, industry in general, right? Where, so for example, people who might have previously been full-time employed, uh, you know, workers at a publishing house have been booted, um, uh, just generally because publishers are doing that um, to their workers. And then they're, you know, now stuck. Now they're in a situation where they're, they're freelancing, which means that they're kind of operating independently, um, essentially as often like, you know, one person, small business or mm. something or something like that. And so service when that starts happening, you know, um, forward looking people see this happening and go, Oh, well, I mean, these people are going to need a way of, you know, they're still going to need a way of not being like entirely fragmented. Right. So we need to create a new, a new space for them that, you know, suits this new situation. And I was wondering, in your experience talking to freelancers, are they, I mean, just asking you to make a blanket generalization, but like, yeah. are they generally, do they prefer, I mean, assuming that Readsy is a success at doing its core mission, right, which is like pro creating this new ecosystem, um, do you think they'll be happier with that new situation than they were in the old one, or... Yeah, so it, it, it's very interesting, uh, and we see a lot of things, you know, developing for this new economy in some way, so the freelancer economy. So you see, like, you know, companies like WeWork who are going to, you know, provide office space or co-working space for all these people who work, uh, you know, in, independently. Uh, but you also see tons of tools that are emerging. So there's a really cool tool that I saw recently called Cushion, I think, uh, where freelancers can basically... Uh, add all their expenses and get an idea of you know what the cash flows are going to be at the end of the month or at the end of the year and how many new contracts they need to sign before they reach their yearly objectives. So there's a there's a bunch of things that are developing around it to basically uh, to to help freelancers um, you know kind of uh, have a more structured um, work uh, environment. Uh, and I think this is very interesting. Um, do, do freelancers like it? Most of the time, they left publishing houses because it's it's a lifestyle they wanted, you know. They mm. wanted to be able to work, you know, 
uh, at any time during the day or the night uh, to be able to go on vacation when they wanted, uh, maybe to you know to maybe to sign contracts for the first six months of the year and then the rest of the years, you know, enjoying the sun somewhere. Uh, I don't know, but um, that it's it's much more flexible. Uh, it doesn't mean that they won't see, you know, like uh, a traditional works workspace anymore, it, it, because like some 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 of them still work with traditional publishers and go to their, you know, go to their offices as well. So, um, so I think I think it gives them more flexibility, and they're happy with it. And it it doesn't mean that they have to stay by themselves at home all day. Uh, I'm pretty sure there's going to be like. Well, this the, we work is an example, but there's plenty of you know co-working spaces for creative people or, or um, in the publishing media industry that are emerging and that I think are, are pretty cool uh, to to work from. Thanks very much. That's a really really great answer. Uh, you know, great balance. I mean, it's uh, you know anyone who's ever worked in the kind of old timey, you know, <laughs> you know, commuting to an office kind of world. Um, you know, I think a lot of a lot of us um, see, you know, the idea of being more independent as a great change, a great social change. Yeah. Um, away from the kind of like factory floor with an, you know, kind of uh, overseer, you know, making sure everyone's there on time and you know working hard all day. I mean, this is this yeah. is something. It's I think it's great that we're moving away from this and that. Um, you know, I, yeah, I that, think I think the book re, uh, rework. Uh, by Basecamp or Thirty Seven Signals, it's mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. you know they were that was pretty forward thinking, like just publishing it a few a few years ago. And now it seems like the normal thing to do for for an old stage young company. But like even just a few years ago, that sounded weird. But like you know now you have your staff a bit everywhere and more freelancers, and that's fine. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I've got a joke that I tell where you know how for thousands of years we had the concept of bastards. Mm-hmm. Um, and that just went away and we didn't even really notice it just went away cause it was dumb. Um, <laughs> and, uh, it's amazing. It's amazing how these changes can happen where one day kind of people wake up and realize that the, for example, like the stress and insanity of making an entire city's employees at the yeah. same time in the morning, all yeah. try to get to specific places in one area yeah. is, you know, mm-hmm. kind of ludicrous and that there's much yes. better ways we can organize our work. Um, together yes. and to do to do higher quality stuff. Um, Definitely. So, yeah. so thank you very much uh, for being on oh. the Lean Publishing Podcast. This was a great chat, and I really yeah. I really appreciate um, you giving us your time. It was a pleasure. Okay, thank you very much. Perfect. Thank you. Bye.